Well, I don't normally completely ignore the readings, but I'm going to today uh, because I'd like to talk about motherhood, um, given my extensive experience. <laughs> Particularly, though, from, from what I can offer, if you will, to the conversation um, from, from more of a, a theological perspective. So at the last Mass, I told everyone this is going to be a little opaque and, you know, perhaps it might be nap time. But there was a 12-year-old girl who took two pages of notes and she hung with it. So, you know, all of you should be able to. All right, so we know that we are created in the image and likeness of God. And for all of us, that means, right, there's something about us that is like God, which means that those things about us that are like God tell us something about God, right? And then you can reverse it and say, well, our understanding of God tells us also some things about us. Um, and what I'm going to hit upon is does not exhaust all of this by any means. That, that would be impossible for us to exhaust our understanding of God. It's difficult for, enough for us to understand some things about God. We would never be able to understand all. So creating the image, the image and likeness of God. Now, the Blessed Trinity is a community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed. There never was a time when they were not. They have always existed, and they've always existed as a trinity, community of persons. And one of the ways traditionally that we understand how the Son uh, comes to be is through what's called generation. Now, even that phrasing comes to be is imprecise because he always was. So how is it that the Son is generated from the Father? Well, you know, and I'll hit upon this on Trinity Sunday too, so we can do a recapitulation. But anyway, we re if we were to think of ourselves, so, you know, within our own minds, I have an image of John, right? And that image of John is is my image of, of myself, right? And so I can sort of understand myself as though I'm looking at myself in the third person. Now for God, he also, because he has intellect, of course, he has an image of himself too. And it's distinct, the, the image of the Father is distinct from who he is, right? But his image is absolutely perfect. And that image or that word that is generated or that idea that is generated, if you will, in the mind of God, we call the second person of the Trinity. He has a perfect understanding of himself and that, that other, that understanding of himself is perfect insofar that it actually has being and it is the son. Okay. So the father, as it were, generates the son from himself, but the son is distinct from him. They both share in the same nature, divinity, but person, they are different. The father is not the son and the son is not the father. All right. That's, that's the worst of it. Are you following me? Kind of? That's the worst of it. All right. So when we look at motherhood, we say, well, how could motherhood be an image of the Trinity? Right? How could, how could motherhood be an image of God in his reality, in his nature? Well, when a, when a mother comes to be pregnant with her child, she now has 
if you will, a new life generated within her, right, that is distinct from her. So the child that is gestating within her womb is not her, it's not her body, it's a distinct body, and it's a distinct person with, you know, its, its own blood type, his own DNA, um, his, his own identity, as it were, his own soul, which is created by God. So when, when a mother and father procreate, they assist in creation. They don't properly create, only God creates. But they assist, particularly physiologically, in new life, and it's God who creates the soul upon fertilization. So now you have a new life, you have a new soul growing within, within the woman. And, you know, the, a, a pregnant woman will even speak of her child as distinct from her. You know, she doesn't look at her womb and say, I, I just look pregnant. Um, I'm not actually pregnant. Uh, but I do have a bump. <laughs> so, you know, she doesn't look at her bump and say, well, that's me. You know, that's me. That's, well, what do you mean it's you? No, it's my, it's my child. You know, the child is distinct from me. It's not, it's, it's obviously reliant on my body, but it's not my body. The child has its own body, its own identity, its own soul. And so in this way, the, the mother images God insofar as she also generates new life within her, which is, you know, part of her, but distinct from her, right? Because a mother will always speak of her child as in a way of coming from her. You know, the, the physiologically, the child has been generated from her being, physiologically. And so in that way, uh, the child is flesh of her flesh. And this intimacy, this union is something that never, never goes away. It's something that, as, I, as I've spoken to many fathers, it's a, it's a unity and an intimacy between mother and child that really fathers don't get to experience either, right? Because a father not having his child within his womb has an inability to have that experience that a mother has, that closeness, that intimacy that never goes away for the mother. There's a particular intimacy and closeness that is never lost. And as, as a mother, you're never truly, <laughs> it's going to sound strange, but you're never truly free of your child, right? Nor would you seek to be. Now you might say, well, they move out and that's great. Yeah, that's probably good. But in a very real sense, there is that, that bond that exists between a mother and her child, which never goes away no, no matter how old the kids get. And I can testify to this because of the mothers who speak to me about their children, even mothers who are, who are elderly, much older. They speak of their children as though they're still bonded and attached, right, to their child. So mothers, you're never free. You're never free. No, not that you would want to be, but there's a bond there that you would never want to get rid of. So a mother is like God the Father in this act of generation, of bringing about new life, which is same but individual, right? An individual that is distinct from her own body that she provides basically 
more than this, but food and shelter. And as long as she provides that, this new life is able to grow and is able to, of course, exist outside of her. Now, how is it that a mother could be like God the Son, Jesus Christ? Well, this is, uh, I think, perhaps the most profound way. Jesus Christ, we remember the, the, the most important act that that he made was or manifested was his death on the cross, his sacrifice out of love for all of us. And whenever I think of sacrifice out of love, I tend to think of mothers. I mean, I think of dads too, but that's next month. We'll get to you. (laughs) So just, it's not your day, you know, it's her day. So, um, but I think of mothers and I think of just from the beginning, just the sacrifice of carrying a child within her body and all of the sacrifice that comes from that, you know, that, that she's asked to endure as she brings that child uh, to term, to full term. But, but it doesn't stop there, right? I, as the child is born, the, the, especially early on, much of the sacrifice that is given to the child is from the mother, which, of course, you want dad to participate, but there's, again, dads even acknowledge when the, when the child is a baby and really, really young, there's an intimacy that mother shares with the baby that he just doesn't quite have that same access to, which makes sense. But the, the mother from the very moment of birth, and before, but from the very moment of birth, her life is about sacrificing for her child. The feedings, the getting up, you know, the crying, the, and even as they grow and they're, they're, they're young, how many, I, just, they encompass about all of your life. It's difficult to, to get a break. You know, I even watch, of course, I watch all of you bringing your children to Mass, which is really a heroic effort. And you might think, well, gosh, Father, you know, you're probably overdoing it. Well, no, I've watched some of you. It looks heroic to me. <laughs> and it's amazing. Uh, it's just, just to get one or two or three or however many into a vehicle and then actually get to the destination without, you know, throwing up and losing shoes and, you know, all of them. <laughs> it's just a mess, right? And so just your ability to get them here. I mean, I just, I want you to know how much I appreciate that and how grateful I am for your sacrifice but a mother sacrifices and sacrifices, and it doesn't even end when they're out of the house. A mother still has this idea and desire to sacrifice for her children. It's just, it, it's part of who she is. It's part of her nature now as a mother. And this is how she very much images Jesus Christ, right? Who gave his life for all of us. A mother gives her life for her children. And it's, it's beautiful and it's amazing. And I, I recognize that in, in um, particularly in the last 50 years, there's been quite a bit of, of currency given to this idea that children are a limitation upon women. That just the, the biology itself creates a limitation on a woman recognizing or perhaps realizing her full potential in life otherwise. And, and I understand that from an intellectual argument, and I, and I understand historically why that argument is made. However, it, I have never met a mother who communicated to me 
that her children were a limitation on her freedom. Not as she has her children, but rather they communicate to me, mothers communicate to me that they could not ever, now that they have children, their life is incredibly changed and altered. From the moment that they held their their newborn babe, their life was different. The way they saw themselves was different. The way they acted was different. The way they loved was different. Their ability to sacrifice and give was enlarged, right? The, the ability to think beyond them, because we all struggle with that, right? Thinking beyond ourselves. But when you have children, you just cannot help but think of your children first, especially as a mother. And what's wonderful about this is that through this growth or through this ability to love in a greater measure, it actually opens up more freedom. It opens up more virtue. Because this is, in fact, the goal for all of us that God has is to increase our ability to love. And there's no doubt that you see this in motherhood. You see it right away. You see it just, it's amazing. I'll, I'll watch, again, I'll watch. You don't know I'm, you probably don't know I'm watching you this much, but I am. And I'll watch you with your children. And, and it's amazing to see, I can see the sacrifice. I can see the love being made manifest all the time. It's beautiful. It's a great gift. And so children, far from being a limitation on you, are actually a gift to you that allows you to enlarge your heart, your ability to love and sacrifice and be more like Christ. Okay, and then lastly, of course, the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we understand the Holy Spirit? From all of eternity, the Father exists, the Son exists. And because they're God, one of the per, one of, a perfection is love. And so God is, has the perfection of love that exists between the Father and the Son. Father loves the Son from all of eternity. Son loves the Father. Wait, what did I do? Father? Wait, Father's over here. So Father loves the Son from all of eternity. Son loves the Father from all of eternity. And that bond, because it's perfect, we call a person the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rightly called the love that exists between the Father and the Son from all of eternity. So the, and that love is diffusive. It goes out, right? Because love isn't really something properly hoarded. Love is something properly expressed and given away. Love can't be selfish by its very definition. It must be given its gift. And so the love that is given to her children, of course, is that initial diffusiveness of love. But the love that even exists within a family is diffusive of the family. It goes out. So we see, especially at church, it's, it's a wonderful example when, you know, the kids are running around eating their donuts and, you know, all of the, or just running around in church. Um, you know, the, we have this community of love where we're supporting one another. We're seeing the love that exists in each other's families. And we enjoy that. It, it gives all of us joy and hope and goodness. And so the, the love of a mother for her child is not just something which is, if you will, uh, contained within that relationship, but it is diffusive. It goes out from itself. So mothers, the dignity that you have of motherhood is something God has given you. 
it's not something that you just sort of, if you will, seize for yourself. Motherhood itself is a gift from God. And not just the children are a gift from God, but the motherhood itself is a gift to you so that you may be made holy, so that you may grow in your own virtue and perfection, which helps us to understand the sacrificial part of it, right? Because the, the, the good and the, and the fun and, and the joy has its own sort of understanding and, and value, but the sacrifice can sometimes be difficult. Well, it's always difficult because it's sacrifice. But the sacrifice also is something which remakes you into a more perfect image of God. And so, mothers, we're, we're very grateful. I hope you know that, how grateful we are for your gift of life, your, the gift of your children, the gift of your love for your children, for your community, the sacrifices you make for your children so that they might grow in love and goodness and knowledge of the Lord. And of course, we hope that you have an incredibly blessed day with your families and enjoy that love, which you yourselves have promoted and molded within your families. Please stand.